Amen. When we come to church, quote unquote, or gather as the church, we gather to meet with one another and to meet with the Lord. We meet him in worship as we worship in spirit and in truth. As we make the decision we're going to worship in spirit and truth, we encounter the living God in life-transforming ways. But we also meet him in the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh. And so now let's prepare to continue to fellowship with him in and through his word. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher in us. We trust you for supernatural utterance and for supernatural understanding for the people. We declare that Jesus' mind shall be revealed to us and we shall be changed from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask a few of you to tell me just one thing you're grateful for. What, what's one thing you're grateful for? Just raise your hand and Yes. Help. Amen. Somebody else. Family. Light. Salvation. Jesus. Your children. Great. Great. I love what you all have to say. I was disappointed. Nobody said I'm thankful for my local church. And not because I'm looking for a compliment, it's not about me, but I, it's about God's gift to us and how we don't really, really assign the kind of value and express the kind of gratitude that really we ought to be expressing on a daily basis for the local church, which is his body. And the local church is under attack today in a big way. Um, the local church, the relevance of the local church, the need for the local church is under attack. And it's, 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 it's an attack that is originated from the pit of hell. And so I just want to remind us, including myself today, how blessed we are that one of the gifts God has given to us is his church, his family. And that we ought to really, really cultivate a sense of gratitude for all of God's gifts. But I really, really, really want to encourage you today to cultivate a sense of gratitude for one of his best gifts, his church. Did you sense his presence this morning as we were worshiping? It took place in his church. Have you been blessed over the years or months you've been here with the word? It takes place in his church. Have you been blessed with the opportunity to use your gifts to be a blessing to someone else? It takes place in his church. You see, God has blessed us with the church. And sometimes... The best things, the most important things are the things that we take for granted. Let me encourage you today to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to 
to open your eyes and give you a fresh sense of gratitude for God's precious gift, the church. You hear people sometimes say, well, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, but I don't believe in institutional religion. So I don't go to church, I don't belong to any church. And because of this failure to truly appreciate the local church and what God intends for it to be in our lives, we have a lot of people who profess to be Christians, but whose attitude towards the church is not biblical. It's not what God was hoping for or looking for among his children. They're those that we call the CEO Christians. And uh, you, you only see them Christmas, Easter only. That's because, again, the church doesn't appear to them to be of much value. CEO. Then there are those who we call the CFOs. And they... they they celebrate funerals only. The only time you see them will be at funerals. Some of them, the only funeral they will attend will be their own. But they will call themselves Christians. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But it had very little use for the church. They're those who are church hoppers. Uh, I mean, they go to church quite regularly. They just don't go to the same church. They're, they're always looking for something new, something different. Thank God they're going to church, but that's not how God designed the local church to function. That's not how God designed you as a believer to function. Then, the those who we call permanent visitors. Now, in this church where we have so many uh, permanent residents in America, Many of those who are permanent residents, when they become citizens, they take a picture of themselves and put it on Facebook. Now I'm an American citizen. So most permanent residents look for the day when they will become fully American citizens. But there are a lot of Christians who are content to be permanent visitors. Now, it's wise to check out the local church for a while before you make up your mind, prayerfully. But at some point, you want to get your citizenship, don't you? Or let me use another analogy. We've used this before. A man asks you to marry him, and you say yes, and you all are engaged. After one year, you're still engaged. Two years, still engaged. Three years, Still engaged. At some point, if you don't ask him, somebody will ask you, what's up? That, that brother must have a problem with commitment or something. At some point after you've engaged me and you've taken a little while to get to know me, it's time to take the next step. And let's make some commitment here. Or, here's your ring. We expect, amen, that we would go from permanent visit from being a permanent visitor to becoming a full member, from being simply engaged to becoming a committed member of a local church, the one that God leads you to. Pray about it, and if God leads you to it, then make a commitment, because that's the way God designed the local church to function, and that's how the local church will be able to be the blessing God wants it to be in your life, 
and allow you to be the channel that God will work through to bless the members of that local church family. I hear me? Hallelujah. Now here are, here's another group, and this is a group that God is looking for. How about the other CPAs? Amen. God is looking for a group of CPAs, committed, passionate, and actively involved members of their local church family. Do we have anybody here who is qualified for the CPA position or you're looking for that position? Come and raise your hand. Say, I want to be, say, I want to be a CPA. Amen. Not a CEO, not a CFO, but a CPA Christian, one who is committed, passionate, and actively involved in God's church, which is his family. Anything less than that falls short of God's clearly revealed will in the Bible. Today, there are more than 120 million Christians who are attending church this weekend. 120 million in this country. Uh, that's more than all of those who attend sporting events and fill stadiums in this country all year. In one weekend, there are more Christians that are attending church services, and that's good. But sadly, the, and I, would, I, I can't prove it, but I am bold enough to say, if you were to ask the majority of those, why do they attend church? why the church is important. The reasons they, they, they will give will be shallow. And the reasons they will give will fall short of why the church exists according to the word of God. Some of them will say, oh, uh, I like the music. Uh, well, that's what Christians are supposed to do. It's my duty. When I die, I want to go to heaven. Uh, and for many of them, they go to church now and then, some consistently, but they don't really, really understand what the church is and why it's important to be not just an attendee, but to be passionately committed and actively involved in the local church that God has led you to. And if this is the church you sense God has led you to, then I am saying to you up front, this is the will of God for your life. I'm absolutely sure that you be compassionate, you, you be committed, you be passionate, and you be actively involved in this family. God brought you to this local family because you need what's here, and this local family needs what you have. He did not lead you here to be a spectator. So we're going to look at this today. Why is it that we have 120 million, but here's the sad news. The rate of church attendance and the number of people churching, att attending church is actually declining in the U.S. and significantly, especially among the younger generation. That's, that, that should be cause for concern. So I ask myself, what could be some of the reasons? Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I, I, there are three things that came to mind. First of all, one reason I think that there's a decline is because of all the bad publicity the church gets. I mean, there, there, are, there are tens of thousands, uh, 
maybe hundreds of thousands, I don't have the accurate figure of pastors and local churches that are faithfully serving God. Pastors that are sacrificing to love and care for their congregation and do their best to be God's channel of blessing. All over this country, all over the world. People who could be doing some other things, making a lot more money, who have sacrificed uh, because they felt called by God. Uh, they never get mentioned. Uh, they're never appreciated. Uh, you don't hear about them in the newspapers or on TV. Uh, unfortunately, many of the church members don't appreciate them enough to say thank you. Take them for granted. Uh, that's just a reality. But these are people who are, by the grace of God, doing their best to lead the congregation that they shepherd in a godly way. They don't get recognized. They don't get acknowledged. But there are those who act wrongly, who say and do things and take advantage of the flock and whose hearts are not right. And they're in ministry. Many of them are very prominent. Well, those are the ones that you hear about. You know, the person who committed adultery, the person who took the church's money, the person who, you know, uh, was found where they had no business being. Those are the ones that get lifted up, talked about, and then they, all of us, I'm calling myself in the us, who by the grace of God are trying their best to live and to be examples of the things they preach and teach. All of us become grouped with everybody else and we're all discarded and say all they want is the money, that all they want is that. The amount of pastors who are poor, if you're looking for money, this may not be, they probably should not be your first or second option. Thank God for the few who God has blessed. But, but, but the point I make, there's so many people who are motivated to serve God because God has called them and they're making sacrifices and doing it joyfully. They don't get recognized or talked about. And so the bad publicity now has caused people to look at the church as a whole, as organized religion, they, all they want is money, et cetera, et cetera. And if that's all the folks out there are hearing, guess what? More and more people don't want to associate with the church. Bad publicity. Here's another reason, I think, uh, for the decline. Um, bad theology. Bad theology. You see, a lot of folks these days see Jesus as a personal trainer. Christians, Jesus is my personal trainer. In other words, it's me and Jesus. And as long as me and Jesus got it together, that is all that is needed. I don't need to come to church. I don't need to be committed to a local church because Jesus will meet me in my house. And Jesus and I will meet in, our, in my bedroom or wherever, in the basement. But one-on-one, -on -one, you know, me and Jesus, me and Jesus. And so we view our relationship with Christ as though Jesus is a personal trainer. All Jesus is focused on, his concern is me and working on me. And as long as I'm talking to Jesus, reading my Bible, praying, and I got what I believe is a good relationship with Jesus, that is Christianity. I'm free. I don't need to commit to a local church and have a pastor and elders that uh, oversee uh, my life in any way. Well, that is bad theology. Because that's not the, 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 the way the Bible describes us. And that is not the 
the, the way the Bible describes Jesus' role. If you want to liken the church or liken Christianity to anything, don't liken it to, a, to, to an individual sport. You got to liken it to a team sport. Where Jesus is not your personal trainer, Jesus becomes a coach. And a coach is concerned about the entire team. Yes, the coach will pay attention to the individual players on the team, but when he's attending to the individual players on the team, he's doing so with the team in mind. Amen? He is more concerned about how the entire team functions than he is about how just one person functions, but he does value each player. He will pay attention to each player, but he pays attention to each person individually because that person is expected to show up when it's game time and to be able to deliver their best performance. So that coach is helping that individual player become as good as he can for the sake of the team. And so if you use that analogy, Good theologist says, yes, I'm important, but I'm important as a member of his body, the church. And yes, he pays attention to me, but that's because he's paying attention to the entire church. And yes, he's wanting me to grow up and mature and develop my gifts. Yes, but it's so I can contribute to the family, to the team. So that the team wins championships. Not so that you can be a star, but so that the team can be a championship team. Bad theology. Me and Jesus, as long as we got it going, I don't really have to be concerned about the church. Bad theology. And here is a third, third, third reason I believe for the declining church attendance. I call it the spirit of the age. You know, there's a spirit at work in this world. And right now, the spirit of the age, there's just certain things that are considered old-fashioned, not for the day. It's for those folks who lived 20, 30, 40, 50 years and died. It's not for us. We're modern. Things like commitment, covenant, accountability, respect for authority. These have become bad words in society as a whole. They are outdated ideas that belong to a more enlightened, to a less enlightened age. And so when you're talking about commitment, when you're talking about submission and respect for authority, whether it's in the home or in the church, it's considered, there's something not right about that. At least that's the spirit of the age. And this is consistent with what the scripture says in, 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 uh, in, uh, Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1 to 5 I want us to read that because the Bible says as we come to this period in the history of the world the end times there are certain things that would characterize the end times Second Timothy chapter 3 1 to 5 reads don't be naive I'm reading from the message Bible don't be naive there are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed. Focus on self. Money-hungry, self-promoting. Everybody wants their own. Everybody wants to promote his or her brand. 
Uh, everybody wants to commit only to something that has his or her name on it. But the church doesn't have your name or my name. It has the name of Jesus. Amen. But self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous appearance, no respect for parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderous, impossibly wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, allergic to God, They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, your animals stay clear from these people. <clears throat> That's the spirit of the age. And if you notice this self-promotion, self-absorbed, not having respect for parents, which means not really respecting authority. That's the characteristic of this age. And I want to warn you as members of this congregation, be aware of that. Don't be ignorant of what is happening in the world. And protect your heart, protect your mind, so that that spirit that is working out there doesn't begin to influence you in your behavior and in your attitude towards your own biological family or towards his family, the church. Are you hearing me? Amen. So the danger is there, and I want to, as your pastor, I want to make you aware of that danger so that you don't become a victim of it. Uh, belonging to a good local church. Again, be led to one. Pray, let God lead you, okay? But once you find one, then understand that what the Bible teaches and what the Bible says concerning this is that being a member of a good local church, being cared for by godly pastors and elders, being spiritually accountable to godly leaders and to one another, um, is not an option, at least not in the Bible, for a believer. It's not an option if you're going to be biblical. You cannot show me one passage in Scripture. You can't show me one passage in Scripture that supports or justifies or condones the notion of a churchless, a churchless child of God. It's not there. There's, you can't find one passage in the New Covenant that shows that God condones the idea of his children living their Christian life independently of others as he or she chooses without being personally connected and accountable to one another and involved in a local church. It's just not there. Instead, when you read the New Testament, you find a lot of letters called epistles. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. What's common about all those letters? They're all written to local churches. They're not written to individuals. The Holy Spirit did not inspire Paul to write a letter to one person. He inspired Paul and inspired Peter and inspired James and inspired these apostles to write letters and all of those letters were written to local churches. They were dealing with issues in the local church. They were telling the believers in the local church how to conduct themselves towards one another. 
telling them to forgive one another, telling them to be patient with one another, telling them to be long-suffering, telling them to serve one another, telling them to, 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 to exhort one another, to rebuke one another, to hold one another accountable. All of those things are instructions to the local church telling local believers who are members of local churches how to conduct themselves in the local church knowing that members of the local church are all flawed human beings. These letters, there were some that were written to other individuals, but those were pastors. Timothy, Titus, these people were actually leading churches. And so the content were written to pastors and leaders telling them how to lead. How to lead. Giving them instructions about what leadership in the local church and pastor in the local church ought to look like. I believe if I'm right, there's only one letter written to an individual, and that's to Philemon. Very short. That's the only letter, if I'm correct, that is written to an individual. Everything else that is written in the New Testament is written to local churches. To the church at Corinth. To the churches in Galatia. Local church. That should tell you how important the local church is in the mind of God. To the plan and purposes of God. And if you ignore, disregard, minimize the local church, you are stepping out of God's plan. You cannot be pursuing the plan of God for your life if you don't understand the importance of the local church in your life. So, all of those letters were written to local churches. So, if back then, there was someone who said he was a Christian, but who had the idea, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in organized religion, or Jesus is my personal trainer, Jesus and I got it going, I don't need to commit. If there was someone back there with that attitude, guess what? He would not have been in position to receive these instructions, and more importantly, he would not have been able to obey them and follow them, because most of these instructions have to do with one another commands. And so if, if, if you got to do something like serve me and I got to serve you, guess what? We need to be together. If I got to encourage you and you need to encourage me, we can't do that while we're apart. We got to do it together. So all of these instructions, and there are many, most of them are one another instructions, which means the only way you and I or they then could actually obey the leading of the Spirit, hear the voice of God, and obey the voice of God was by committing to their local church and being passionate, committed, and actively involved. Otherwise, they could not obey the instructions of the scriptures. And today, we cannot obey the instructions of the scriptures if we don't understand that a whole lot of those instructions have to do with how we conduct ourselves in the family of God. You hear me? I mean, so, so I hear someone say, well, the reason I don't go, there are too many hypocrites in the church. There are too many gossipers in the church. Have you heard that before? They don't love in that church. There are a lot of imperfect people in that church. Of course there are imperfect people. I'm in the church. How can I be in the church and not be imperfect? And the person sitting next to you, she's in the church. How can she be in the church and the church not be imperfect? 
everybody is not perfect like you. We understand, we hope one day to reach your standard of perfection, but since you are the perfect one and everybody else is not, don't leave, stick around to help us. I mean, we need to get where you are because it's, it's, we're trying. And, and we, so stick around. You who have reached perfection, stick around and help us. You who never gossip, help those of us who gossip not to. You who, you who never get angry without a cause. You who never misunderstand. You who never get angry. Oh, no, nobody visited me. You who always visit. Please. Now, you know, I'm, 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 I'm playing with that, but the point I'm trying to make is, of course, the church has imperfect people. That's why we need to be with one another, to encourage one another, exhort one another, rebuke one another, correct one another, love one another. Amen. Live by example. Tolerate each other. Be long-suffering because, hey, the bottom line is we are all imperfect. I got my flaws. You got yours. That way, all of us need to just humble ourselves. And realize this thing is by grace. Amen. But please, don't allow the imperfections of your local church to cause you to withdraw or to participate only minimally. Not, not, don't, not if you really understand how important the church is to God. This is his family, people. Now, guess what? One of the reasons all of these imperfect people are in the church is because all of these imperfect people are in your families. Every one of you here came from families. And guess what? If you're imperfect here, you don't all of a sudden become perfect when you get back in church. It was your imperfect family that produced the imperfect people that are part of this imperfect church. Amen? Guess what? If there's a gossiper here, that gossiper is in somebody's family. Maybe yours. But you haven't thrown away your family. And thank God, your family has not thrown you away. There are times when you and your sisters have fought, but you're still sisters. You and your parents don't always get along, but they're your parents. Are you hearing me? So, if you're not going to throw away your family, and you certainly don't want your family to throw you away, because of your imperfections, please don't throw away the family of God because the family of God has imperfect people in it. Just like you love your family and you will do just about anything you can for the sake of your family. You put up with a lot of stuff, but they're still your family. Someone said blood is thicker than water. Amen. Your children mess up and you're still ready to pay money to help them. You go without sleep. You do all kinds of things because that's your family. And if you're a parent, you love your children. That means, reminds you that God also has a family. And the Bible calls the church his family. Just like you have a family, this is his family. The church. The scriptures teach us that before the foundation of the world, before he even created the universe, he already chose us to be his children. So God had family on his mind. In fact, he created the universe for the sake of having a family. 
If God did not want a family so much, he would not have created the universe. The universe was created because God wanted a family. And that's why he chose to be called father. Because God has family on his mind. Are you hearing me? Jesus came in order to bring many sons and daughters for the father. Family. And that family he organizes into what we call local churches. This is God's family. What a privilege. One of the greatest privileges we have is to be part of his family. He said, well, Bishop, I'm part of his, his universal family. I don't have to be part of, his, of a local church. I'm part of, yes, I'm God's father. I'm part of his, 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 his universal family. But again, do you want to be biblical? Do you want to be obedient? Yes, there is the body of Christ, the universal family that consists of all believers, those who have come before, those who have already gone into heaven, those who are alive. We're all part of that family of God. But how has God organized his family? He has taken this universal family and he has broken it down into local churches, which are then to be the manifestation and the expressions of his universal family, which then allows us as members of the family to actually put into practice what it means to be family. He has chosen the local church, broken down that universal family into these local churches, and then through the local church, the local church family, he grows, he nurtures, he multiplies his universal family. Through the local family, he takes care of the individual members of his family. For you to say, because I'm part of the universal family, I therefore don't need to be committed to a local church. That's, that's, that's like saying, because I'm part of the human race, I therefore do not need a nuclear family. You don't hear people talk that way because that's craziness. Because, of course, you don't have to be part of a nuclear family to be part of the human race. But is that the way God designed it to function? Isn't it designed such that everyone who is in the human race, God has designed them to be part of a nuclear family? And the way God wants it to work is for there to be two parents who are committed to one another and then committed to their children. Isn't that the way God designs it, designed it to function? So God takes a human race and then he puts them into nuclear families because that's how he cares for every one of his children. In the same way, he takes the universal church family and he puts them in local church families because that's where he nurtures them, cares for them, grows them, and multiplies them. Here's the fact. There is a breakdown right now in the family structure. There is a breakdown. And the breakdown in the nuclear family is causing a lot of havoc in society. Many of the problems that we have in society today are because the enemy has successfully attacked and undermined the nuclear family. Now, society, more and more, we're facing uh, crime, drug addiction, all kinds of weird things now that are being said to be okay. Why? The nuclear family is being undermined. By the way, I learned a new word recently. Is it, what, what is it? Poly, polyamoral, right? Ah, uh, polyamory. I've heard of polygamy, all that stuff. It's a new one now that has it's becoming mainstream. You say, what's that? Well, let me see if I, if I can describe it. It's, it's where you say, 
and your, your partner, your husband, or your, your wife, or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, however you do your stuff. We say, you know, we're, you, know you and I, yeah, we, we, we got a special relationship, but it's okay. In order to satisfy your needs and my needs, it's okay for us individually or maybe together have these other intimate relationships and we can have as many intimate relationships with anybody else that we choose to and it's okay it's no big deal why because it's all about what i feel i need you know if, if i feel i need this it's okay because life is about just me and and taking care of me and doing what makes me happy And, 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 and I may be going too far, but I think that that same spirit is creeping into the church too, because a lot of people want to have a polyamoral, is that a, a amorous relationship with the church? You know, I just want to be here, be there, be there. I want my freedom. So don't tell me to commit. I need to be free. If I, if I see something at this church that I need, I'll come there, get that, and then I'll go somewhere else and get that, and then go, it, because it's all about me. Don't talk about commitment. So this attack on the nuclear family is, is wrecking havoc upon society. And in the same way, the same enemy that's attacked the nuclear family and has managed to, and is managing to bring such havoc upon society, it's now he has his eyes on the church family, the local church more than ever before, and is seeking to destroy God's plan for the world because God's plan for the world is to be executed through the church. And so what he's doing, he's doing his best and unfortunately gaining some ground at attacking the local church so that more and more people are simply dis disregarding and see no real special value in the church. As your pastor, I warn you. And as a pastor, your pastor, I exhort you. Let's align with the scriptures. Search the scriptures and see if these things that I've said to you today are not true. The word of God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He says, as is the habit of some, even back then, there were some who were forsaking this something. He said, you don't do this. He said, especially as the days grow evil and the time for his return draws nigh. More than ever, we need to be attaching tremendous value to our connection to the local church, our commitment, our passion, and to be actively involved in the local church. Because God has chosen through the local church to protect us, preserve us, nurture us, mature us, Use us, multiply us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so, if you're watching and, 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 and you're not committed as you ought, I mean, I'm committed to God, yes. God calls us to commit to someone. His name is Jesus but God also calls us to commit to something. It is his body, the church, his family, the church. And until we commit to him and to his body, his family, we will never fully, fully be able to walk in 
the perfect will of God our lives and bring glory and honor to him. So if you are not part of a good local church, ask the Lord to lead you, guide you, give you a pastor that you believe would teach you God's word and, and, and he's not perfect, so don't try to make him perfect, but you know that he is sincere and he's seeking to lead by example, lead by example, find such a pastor, find such a church, and then make a commitment there. And those of you who come and who you're attending and you've been permanent visitors, uh, I want to encourage you. Let's align ourselves with the scriptures. Hallelujah. This is the family of God. The scriptures calls us the family of God. You are members of this family. So treat this family the same way you would want your family to treat you. And if all of us have that attitude, my, 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 the Holy Spirit will be able to work through us and all our flaws and Christ will be glorified in Jesus' name. So if you have not yet made a commitment, we, we do want you to make a commitment. And, and, and if this is where God has led you, say, you know what, this is where I belong and this is where I'm making my commitment. This is the local family that God has made me a part of. And I am going to not just attend, I'm going to be committed, passionate, and actively involved. Hallelujah. And if you are a member, but you just haven't gotten involved, you're a member, I mean, you've done that, but you're not actively involved in the life of the church. You're not functioning like you should as a member of a family. Then you need to ask the Lord to show you what changes you need to make, what adjustments you need to make so that he will be pleased and glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this word, which you have given us to speak and to proclaim today, by your spirit, you will cause it to come alive in our hearts and minds, and may this word move us to action. May it cause our minds to be renewed and enable us, Lord, to walk in obedience. We thank you for the church. We're grateful for the church, your family. It's a privilege that you've made us a part of this family, oh God. And we no longer take it for granted. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Now let's, let's do something. If you, if you may not have done it for a while, just raise two hands. And say, Father God, I thank you for my local church family. With all of its flaws and all of its shortcomings, it's your gift to me. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.